I usually only ask one person a question in the in beginning, and it'll be you. I'm just going to ask how that. you're doing. Duh. Oh. I'm doing great. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> at the beginning, it's I'm just going to say. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Outpost, a podcast about inspired thinking. I'm feeling inspired today. Why? Because I've got Jared here. I've got Kevin here. I've got Krista here. How could you not be inspired with this group of people? Am I right? That's true. I agree. How are you doing today, Kevin? I have, we haven't had you on here. Have we had you on at all? No. This, this is your my first, first time? First podcast. Okay. How are you feeling Actually, on the couch? podcast ever. Oh! Yeah. Wow. Well, feels You've never even had like a little indie one with like your friends or nothing? Nope. Never. Wow. I know. Wow. Untapped potential right here. Holy cow. Describe yeah. your emotion sitting on the couch in uh, up to three words. Up to three words? Yeah. <laughs> that was more than three. That was more than three. Up to three words. Yeah. There we go. Oh, That's God. Wow. I, I love it when y'all work well. With I didn't me. mean to ruin the bit. I'm you sorry. did ruin it. Um, but you can you can redeem yourself with community questions. What do you, what do you got for us today for community Huzzah. questions? Here's what I got for you. Hans asks, what is a misunderstood pop culture property or franchise that doesn't get enough credit? I wonder if it has to be misunderstood. One one franchise I wish just was still around and was like way major popular is like Captain Planet. Wow. I mean, that was so fun as kids. And we need sure. Captain Planet today. Like, I feel like we need them more than ever. Exactly. The oceans are rising, you know. Um, Ice caps are melting. As Bo Burnham would say. Um, and we just need Captain Planet. Wow. Yeah. The world's bring on it fire. Back. <laughs> we need I would love. Bring it. Give us a remake. Sure. Why is Captain there, Planet. Why a live not, remake. Yes. There's yeah. been remakes of everything else. Yeah. Why not that? I could take gargoyles again, too. So. Sure. No, it's perfect how it is. <laughs> Just leave it as it leave is. It. Perfect. Yeah, remaster <laughs> it. It's fine. What's the order of the elements at the beginning? Um, earth, wind, fire, water. Okay, and so heart. I'll take that Isn't as a segue heart? into into <laughs> myself. So, um, you know, I'm going to take a small pit stop on a individual property and say that if you have not yet experienced Avatar The Last Airbender, please go and do so. Oh, yeah. All the four elements. It's, nice, it's amazing. Nice animated nice show. Um, and I'm going to now expand from that and say, take a hard swing and say that I think that the entire animated medium is uh, misunderstood and undervalued by by society. I, I think that you know a lot of, of things end up being sort of shunted into this sort of for children sphere where where adults don't don't uh, don't become interested in engaging with properties because it's animated. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have a couple of notes. So I, it makes me immediately think of like the, the, um, Miles Morales, Spider-Man being animated. Yeah. And even like my mom was like, I wasn't expecting it to be animated and like was kind of disappointed. Oh, the into the spider. Yeah. It was yes. so weird. Uh-huh. It was a strange. Movie. Uh-huh. It was so good. Such a great movie. Good way to take that animation and kind of have adults engage with it in an, in another way. Yeah, exactly. And you know, in animation, you are able to in such a cheaper way than or less like monetarily intensive way bring <laughs> your imagination into reality 
as opposed to doing something live action and, and with CGI. Like it costs so much more yeah. money. Like the Avengers movies are so expensive, and if it was if it was drawn the same, you know, galactic level, um, you know, conflicts can and have been like uh, experienced yeah. and um, put into the animated medium. Okay, and, give us your notes. Okay, a writer takes a blank page and tries to describe their mental landscape to you so that you can see something similar. Okay. But an illustrator or a graphic designer or an animator opens the window to their mind and shows you exactly what they are seeing mm. in a way that is so much more difficult with, with just the written word. And it's something that I personally, as a writer and not an illustrator, I, I envy because my interior, my, my mindscapes are, you know, just like any human, highly detailed. And I want to, to share them with other people in a lot of different instances. And, you know, being bound by words is constricting. I mean, what Would you, you like think? to see animation, Krista, be something that adults engage with more often as well? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. I remember, well... I remember as a kid watching an animation that I guess was intended for adults. It was an adaptation of Watership Down. Okay. And that was actually kind of, yeah, intended for adults. It was like very dark and it had this weird, strange, eerie just feeling to it mm -hmm. and, a, and a mythical feeling to it. And it, and again, it wasn't for kids, but it was. Isn't it about rabbits? It is about rabbits. Right. But I, I, I did hear it was very adult themed. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so all the adults will let you watch it because it's a little animated film about rabbits. Ah. But then it's like, whoa. And then you can terrify yourself. <laughs> you just her smile just now. Jeez you can Louise. terrify yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's a list of reasons we know why Krista is like this. Yes. No. <laughs> I now understand oh, where this unsettling <laughs> feeling comes from when I look at your art. It does not come from Watership Down. No. <laughs> at least not just. <laughs> not just. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anything else on your notes there for animation? Uh, no. no. Okay. I'm going to make sure we covered it. Uh, one piece of animation that I think is pretty undervalued, um, that is fantastic and pretty much made for adults, is the Castlevania series on netflix i have not gotten into it yet but i've oh, heard that it's good oh my goodness it's so good and like it's all american animation and american voice actors um so it's you know locally sourced i guess um <laughs> organic. organic yeah well i don't know about that um but like it's super high quality super actiony um highly recommend nice it. i'll have to check it out yeah. yeah so any other pop culture that we think is undervalued misunderstood that we want to talk about, or is that all? Everything else is fully understood. Good, glad, let's move on. Sure. All right, what is our next community question, Jared? Okay, Sarah asks, does a team made up primarily of creative types handle adversity better or worse than a more traditional team? What a good question, Sarah. So I would say, obviously, like this team, any sort of marketing or advertising agency um, is made up mostly of creative types, right? And so the question is, do these types of teams handle adversity better than other teams? So like, what's a team that is not made up of creatives? Like, or like a team of, of accountants? Uh, so I was going to say accountants. Wow. What's, what's the opposite of a creative? <laughs> Accountant. <laughs> Somebody that deals with taxes all day? Uh-huh. Yeah. Only in realities. Only in realities. Okay, so my first thought is, I feel like it could go either way. It's like, because creatives are often um, very, uh, we can be adaptable, 
right? We can very solutions oriented and finding many different ways to a solution. However, we're also very sensitive, I would say, and yeah. prideful. Because because <laughs> in that moment, creatives often have the the type of brain that can uh, you know assess the situation and then come up with a, a course of action that they that they want to undertake and also defend. Yes. And so, you know, if multiple creatives are in the room and there's a there's a problem, oftentimes problems are multifaceted and have multiple sufficient solutions and you can, you know, butt heads about, you know, I think that this is a, a more, you know, delicate and nuanced way yes. to go about doing this, you uh -huh. know, even though it's mm -hmm. just sort of pedantic. Sure. And creatives are, you know, by the nature of being creative, think outside the box. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whatever adversary... Ad Adversely. Adversely? Adverse... Adversary? Whatever adversities. Advers wait. Anniversary? <laughs> Adverse... Adversity. Somebody, adversity. Somebody, somebody oh, my goodness. Remember. I have broken everyone. <laughs> adversity. Remember the anniversary. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. That was mass hysteria. Holy cow. All of us forgot. We're all going insane. No, then when they face stuff like that, they, they're, you know, more able to... Uh, think of new creative ideas and try to solve this problem. But there's also the part where I'd be afraid that that's all they're doing is thinking of ways to solve the problem and not actually and solving it. And no one's getting it. around <laughs> to implementing right. it. Because, you know, if you have strictly creatives and not necessarily somebody who is putting structure into the creatives, like somebody who has more of a um, right brain, left brain, Whatever the opposite of creative Just brain, maybe more I think analytical left brain and linear. is the right. analytical. Uh -huh. uh, then sometimes not anything gets done. Yes. So at first, I want to say, yeah, creatives would be better at it. But thinking about it, I'm not sure. Yeah, creatives are great at filling up the whiteboard. Yes. But, you know, but like following through and with actually, set steps. but like actually erasing all the other ideas and choosing one. Yes. Yeah. Can and, they do that? And then remembering what we wrote on the whiteboard and, and doing it. Right. Yes. <laughs> Always take pictures of the whiteboard. Always take Always. pictures. I also think creatives uh, often have um, a lot of self-awareness, you know, and so we can we can see, okay, this is adversity happening to us and I now need to respond and here's how I'm feeling about that. And I think that can be positive and negative the same way. It's positive because, again, we can analyze what's going on, what solutions could be there, but it might paralyze us to actually act you know we might not we might be able to just be stuck in all of our feelings and not be able to act i i was asking when i get ready for the podcast i often will ask people i know questions uh so that i can get their feedback and kind of work it into what i'm going to say my boyfriend is in it and i asked him about his feelings around around fear and creativity and he's like i don't really feel fear about really anything in my job I don't I don't I just do it you know and I just that seemed so freeing to me like he what just a, it the concept just baffled him that what a world why would mistakes. people feel fear <laughs> it's some people's jobs they just they have the thing that they need to do and they do the thing mm -hmm. and they don't really need to think about anything else don't have to think outside the box which kind of does make dealing with adversity a little bit more simple maybe um, well, because there's a, there's a, a, in those situations, there is oftentimes a much more concrete, pointable solution mm -hmm. that's obvious to, to everybody as like the one lane to go. Mm -hmm. So the types of problems that creative teams come across are often things that we're well suited to handle. Whereas if, if a simple problem came to us, it, we might not. We might overcomplicate it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find that kind of interfacing between 
imagination and reality to be a thing too. Like, are we using our creativity and, ima and imagination to find creative solutions to the problem and interface with reality? Or are we doing like me, like, oh no, there is adversity. Maybe I will retreat to fantasy or imagination or things like that and kind of having it as something apart from the problem itself, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. a refuge, where maybe somebody who either was more logical about solving problems or somebody who was able to like channel that creativity in the right way might be able to interface with reality better. <laughs> wow. Beautifully said. The number of times <laughs> I have been like afraid of an oncoming thing or, or deadline that was just too far away to motivate me doing anything about it. Uh, and I just started filling, you know, my notebook with ideas about some random creative pursuit that was, you know, fully distracting me and keeping me <laughs> sheltered from the thing I was hiding from. <laughs> I feel like this all leads us pretty well into our main topic. So let's, let's cut it off here and move into our main topic. Is that okay? Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Let's do it. All right, I'm going to move us into our main topic then today. So our main topic is around creativity and fear. And we're going to take kind of an interesting look at this, thinking about the actual role of fear in creativity. Um, is it just a hurdle that we have to jump through? Is it a companion that we take with us? Is it is it an important piece of creativity? So I want to explore this from many perspectives today. Um, but I think I want to start with us giving a little self-analysis, like how, on average, how scared are you all the time? Like, what's your average fear level? Like on, in life? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like every day as you're walking around, how's That's your fear? That's a can of worms. I know. Very. I know. That's why I'm starting here. Right. Zero to 10. Zero, you feel no fear. 10, you're, um, a hundred percent paralyzed and can't take any actions. Kevin, what's your fear level on average? On average? Mm-hmm. You can give a range sure. if you want. Yeah, I don't know. It depends day to day if I'm thinking very globally and existentially. You're not willing to give me a range? Well, I don't know if there is a range. Uh, one to ten. Oh, God. There you go. <laughs> the full breadth of human experience. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would never say like a full ten. Okay. Um, like my day to day is not necessarily a scary thing. Uh -huh. I live a pretty easy life. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, I don't know. Two to five. Okay. Two to f see, you did it. You just had to kind of come around to it. Two to yeah. five. Yeah, Kay. that's how I do things. Jared, how's your? What's your fear scale on average? I'd say average day for my whole life has been like a two. Oh wow! But um, you know, on audition days, you know, nine um, callbacks, same. Um, and then you know, nowadays, now that I, I have a child, it hovers between like three to seven or eight when he is about to do something dangerous, like, you know, almost fall off the bed or um, pull something down on top of him. You or, should see the way yeah. Jared responds to that kind of thing. I've seen him hear a crash out in another room and leap over a couch and be in the room in like before I've even looked to see what the sound was. It's, it's quite amazing. <sighs> quite amazing. You know, someone could have been hurt. <laughs> it's coming to help. I don't know. <laughs> okay, Krista, what's right your there? range? Um, I would say on average like a seven, mm -hmm. but it's like dull. It's in the background. It's like okay. so. It's a like dull so seven on average. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. That's I. I actually feel fair. Five to to eight 
is probably where I live most of the time. Five is really low for me, honestly. I don't think that there's a day where I'm under five in my fear of the. So your, to look at your face, (laughs) your top is my bottom on the fear scale every day. I'm not sure what that says about me. I don't know either. It's probably because Should I be more afraid? Are, are, are you just really? <laughs> do you just feel calm going about your whole day? Usually. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> at least I try to, or at least I force myself to. Like, hey, things aren't that bad. Like, just chill. So you've got a really nice inner voice who, who kind of helps guide you through that. Sometimes, sometimes he's just yelling at me. Mm-hmm. That's when I'm up at a five. Yeah, I was just talking to my counselor this week, and and I hear my voice say often, I'm just so scared of everything. Like, I, that's how I feel. Wow. A, a very Your inner often. voice? Yes. Like, it, in times, I'm walking from the dining room to the kitchen, and I'm feeling a little frustration, and the thought that's coming out is, I'm just so scared of everything. Wow. Um, which is interesting for somebody whose core values are optimism and determination. I mean, I guess that's how to come from being scared all the time, is like, I, I just have to develop an inner voice that kind of keeps me, it's going to be fine, everything's going to be fine. that's why I'm such a pessimist. Fine. See, okay, so you're a pessimist. How oh, interesting. Yeah. Just so you expect opposite. disappointment. Yeah, usually. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so calm about it. So let's angle this into creativity for a minute. So if we talk about fear and creativity, do you think it's a hurdle that you have to go over? Is it a companion? Is it an important part of creativity? What are, what are your thoughts on fear's role in creativity, Krista? I think it can definitely expand into a hurdle when it is like, you know, kind of all consuming. It's blocking you. You're afraid of what you'll create. You know, you're afraid of it not turning out right. You're afraid of, I don't know, maybe whatever comes out. You don't want to see it. I feel like that can definitely be a hurdle. Um, But then there's also, you know, the fear of not doing it, of Mm -hmm. like what, what, will happen if I don't express this and it's like almost not so much a specific fear but just like that that impetus in you to just keep moving forward so I think I don't know it can kind of it's a balance between those forces okay um do you have a thought on that Kevin is is it something that you have to hurdle over in your creativity when you're starting a new project and and you're looking at what you have to do what role is fear playing during that process I mean, fear uh, will give, you know, at, at the beginning, it will give me energy, honestly, because mm. I'm afraid of doing a bad job. Okay. Because I, like, no matter what type of, uh, like, design I'm working on, I want it to be good, and I'm afraid that it's going to be bad. Mm. Sometimes it is bad, <laughs> but then, you know, you work through it, and you make it better, uh, and you uh, collaborate with other people and what have you. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's a, almost a, a motivating factor because mm-hmm. uh, whatever project I'm working on, I'm afraid that the client is going to hate it. Mm-hmm. And I, you just I have get to get like over that. that. Mm-hmm. I get like that too. When I'm putting together an estimate even, right? Mm-hmm. I'm oh, getting gosh. ready to pitch a project. I'm so wow. scared. No, I've done it hundreds of times. For me, it's invoicing. It, oh. it is. Thankfully, it's actually I don't asking have, for the money. I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, it's, it was that was the biggest especially when I was freelancing, that was my biggest uh, fear topic was just actually asking for the money. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll do the work and super easy, like, and, you know, get the job done and whatnot, and then ask for the money, mm-hmm. terrified. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and that shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. Uh-huh. I shouldn't be terrified for doing a good job. Mm-hmm. 
no. And here's what it's going to cost. It is. It's scary. Yeah. And that's why I'm glad there's a Derek here. He <laughs> to does do all, it for you. He does all the invoices. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's yeah. interesting thinking of fear as a, an initial motivator. Um, mm-hmm. And it actually made me think a little bit about the visual of a hurdle. Like when we call fear, is it a hurdle? Like, okay, a hurdle is something that what you just have to get past. But in order to get past it, you actually have to jump. Right. Like there's this huge energy output that has to come in order to jump over it. And and that's important, too. Is it not? I mean, that's without that. Well, you're just going to mosey your way down the track. Um, but with a <laughs> but, but sorry, Justin laughed at that visual. I like, yeah, I like the visual. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, a hurdle can actually amplify the beginning of of the speed and and your strength. Um, what do you think, Jared? Is it a hurdle? Is it a companion? What, it, what is it for you? Of course, it's both. Of course, it's both. <laughs> and it's it, both in different situations. So it is a, it is a hurdle um, when, in the fear when you, are, when you are worried that you're not going to have a good idea in the okay. future. Mm-hmm. When you know that sometime between this second and some point in the future, you have to have come up with something that is genius, clever, funny, a good solution to the problem, and makes everybody happy. And the, the, there is a, a great deal of, of fear in the, b- both the time leading up to the moment that you actually have to start creating and also finally being encountered by that blank page and saying, okay, now I have to make something out of nothing and I have to actually pen to paper and, and do it. And... Um, the f- and the fear of an incoming deadline is mm. often the companion that puts yep. that pen to paper. Oh yeah, and yeah. you know the creative juices get flowing under the the heat of the clock in a way that can only be experienced. I think, um, as I'm sure we can all attest to. Um, and then finally, I think that the the fear of being mundane pushes you beyond the first idea that you have. Like you write mm. something down and then. The, the thought that, well, anybody could, could have made that or, oh, that's probably been made before makes you do the second take, look it over, reimagine it. How could you change it, make it bigger, more unique and distinct? Sometimes yeah, I if agree. I don't keep the momentum up from that, then, you know, if there's some sort of break or pause when I was like rolling on a good idea that I'm feeling confident in and then I have a little break or pause, sometimes that fear comes back into play for me. I'm like, that really wasn't that good, was it? And and I don't know, maybe I, sh- I should not do that and do something else. And then I just don't actually do anything. And so that's kind of You're a crippled by fear at that point. Yeah. It's just like, I can't move forward because I keep questioning the decisions that I've made. Mm. Um, that's when you stop doing everything and watch Netflix. <laughs> See, I don't, that's my solution do that very well. I, it's that's very great. hard for me to Dis- slow down, slow down, disconnect for, mm-hmm. for a few moments and then get back at it. Mm-hmm. It's very hard all the boyfriends I've ever had were like, could we just like chill for a little while? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to do. I got things to do. I'm out of seven. I'm out of seven. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so going back to the metaphor of, of hurdles uh-huh. and that uh, fear is a hurdle. I don't necessarily see it that way. I almost see it more as like a monster mm. chasing you down Ooh. the track. So instead of like jumping over a fear and then you're done with it, it's this constant, fear behind you and like oh no it's catching up to you Mm -hmm. so you have to sprint away from it and you only feel comfortable when you're you know at the finish line Mm -hmm. if there is one or you're far enough away from 
whatever that monster is. That's a monster. Yeah. Yeah, fear is a monster. Mm-hmm. And you can abate the monster by making progress on the project or by distracting yourself and you know, engaging in some form of escapism. Yeah, or could exactly. you illustrate it in a cute way, Krista? <laughs> could you make our fear monster adorable? Yes, and then large eyes. And then we wouldn't, we wouldn't be so scared large, of it. Large, terrifying, bloodshot eyes. <laughs> no, make, it, make it scary cute. Uh-huh. A combination of both. I can do this. <laughs> New project for you. All right. The fear monster. The fear monster. It's so cute that you think it's designed to disarm you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like always, before I, before I do this, I call my mom and I'm like, mom, here's the topic for next week. What are your thoughts? And, um, she gave me a totally different perspective on this. Of course, she brought up another, another kind of horror movie. Um, and she's like, you think about these horror movies, those use fear, you know, it's a totally different way that you can take fear creatively and it, it, and actually use it to touch your audience, to actually connect with your audience. To be a tool. To, to be a tool, exactly. And what it made me think of is, is, you know, people always talk about how love connects us all, you know. But like really, I, I think it's fear. Fear is like this great connector. You know, we all yeah, feel yeah. this level of fear almost every day. I mean, maybe maybe not Kevin as much walking around at a two, but like... Not every day. Okay. But fear is this it's great... slowly going up. Okay. This goes on. <laughs> it's this great connector. And if you can, the way she explained it is you've got to put it in a cage, though. She's like, you've got to take fear and put it in a cage because once it's in a cage you can look at it from many angles and analyze and observe what it's doing and use it to connect with people use the fear that you're feeling and understanding that this fear is something that's fairly universal and how can you then harness that fear and put it into your project in a way that that people resonate with i'm like get out of here mom that is so I never thought of fear as a, as a connector, as the thing that people would resonate with. But we talk about in marketing how we're t- solving people's problems, right? How we're solving um, the issues that they're having with our projects. So fear is often at the center of the problems that they're having and that we're working on solving. Yeah. Should we just have mom on the podcast now? Probably. Have her zoom in from the <laughs> hospital. Yes. She's not sick. She works she, at the hospital. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. She, she runs the ER. It's like, oh no. So what's worse? The fear of failure, the feel, fear of success, the fear of quitting, the fear of being average. What's, what's the worst fear from a creative standpoint? The fear of starting? Starting's kind of the, the easy part because you just... Although, like, a blank page is very daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, once you get in there, then it's fine. Um, I would almost say the fear of being average. Yeah. Like, especially when you're, like, a younger creative, you want to be fantastic. You want to be almost internet famous for being yes. good at whatever you're doing. Um, and that slowly goes away as you get further into the job as you get older. But, yeah, I want to say, like, fear of being average you want to be the best mm-hmm. then you're, you learn to not be <laughs> and just to be okay with being average yeah uh-huh. meteorocity meteorocity that's i don't know i agree <laughs> <laughs> what do you think krista what's what is better than try to use big words <laughs> what's the worst fear is it is it being average is it failing is it succeeding 
what's what's the worst fear well i don't i don't know if it's the worst but one that i think is really impactful is the fear of the unknown Mm -hmm. and for me that kind of is a way of using fear as an indicator like we can use it as connection like you're saying we can also use it as an indicator um so if i am starting a project and and not the act of doing the project but like what i am uncovering in the project itself like the content of it if i'm feeling afraid i feel like that is a good indicator that i'm going in the Mm. right direction because Mm. i feel like one of the great purposes and 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 capabilities of art is to uncover the unknown and to make it visible and to make it tangible and so if i'm feeling that fear of the unknown and what's coming out it's like okay maybe i'm on the right track maybe this is something that is going to be something i can grasp onto and other people can grasp onto so it's not fear isn't something to fear (laughs) (laughs) it is but then you just continue at a seven (laughs) (laughs) you just keep moving what about you, Jared? What do you think? I think the the worst fear, the strongest fear, is not creating anything at all. Mm. You know, in my life, I've had a metric zillion ideas and have like done or made or finished two percent of them. And you know, I have all these aspirations of of these cool things that I could do at some point in the future. And the you know, one of the strongest overwhelming fears that I feel on a daily basis is that I won't be able to accomplish those things or get around to doing them or co- convince myself to, to start them. Well, you won't be able to do everything. So stop being so creative. <laughs> <laughs> stop thinking of so many cool ideas. I'll get on that. Yeah. There's your new ideas. <laughs> start licking lead paint. I don't know. Oh, no, don't I'm, do not, I'm, I'm not happy with that option. Mm-mm. Okay. I mean, I already <laughs> seep enough paint in through my skin that I don't need to. <laughs> because you're a painter. Yeah, right. right. Okay, right. No, she's just like got no, her hand no other in reason. a vat of paint every day. Paint now, I've been meaning to talk to you about the quarter paint at your desk. What is it? What's that about? I think I think my most powerful fear is kind of in line with what you're saying, Kevin, of being average. I have this idea that I'm supposed to be the word that always kind of haunts me is special like I'm supposed to be special like I'm supposed to to be better and different and more and I'm not sure what it is that I'm uh, that I'm analyzing myself against is it other people is it and maybe that's the problem it's this amorphous thing that I think that I'm not I I want to be more. I want to be special. What I create, I want to be special. I want people to see me as special. And, um, and it never feels like I'll be able to, to actually get that. You know, it never feels like I'll, there's no measurement for, there's no real measurement. So how do you know when you succeed at that with your projects with your, I don't, I don't know what to, it's, it haunts me. It That's my fear monster. And so I'm asking you to please make it cute because I would like this fear of being average to like, just at least look cute so I can look back at it and make friends with it and just deal with the fact that, that whatever this special is that I'm trying to get to, it's just probably just going to come along with me my whole life. And maybe that fear just looks like Lacey on a, on a normal day. Which is why I can't just chill out and... The, no, the monster. You, you, we're like talking about it being this like big scary thing, mm. but like what you're afraid of is just being average and... Just know, being myself. M- just maybe it's just like, you know, bedhead 
<laughs> three day dry shampoo yeah yep. sweats and sweatshirt lacy yes. you know just my fantastic. fear monster potato line just being sufficient you know that's that's your fear it kind of is mm-hmm. wow so what do i do about it <laughs> can you all solve my problems for me i, I don't think so i if you try hard enough at you know being special or being great and you're afraid that you're not, Mm -hmm. you probably are pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you know, not getting affirmation from other people, then, you know, you should probably get better friends. I do just want to constantly be showered with compliments. I, you know, but I state that pretty clearly to the people that love me. Please constantly shower me with compliment. But it still doesn't solve the fear monster. So, yeah. I Mm -hmm. think maybe one way the i don't know if it if it gets rid of the fear for me but it just kind of i don't know softens it like we have this fear of like what is the worst that can happen or i imagine this will happen so i'm not gonna do the thing and you're all Mm -hmm. hunched and kind of like inward focused and then you know you go out and you do the thing and you you put everything you have into it and then the worst happens and you know all those things that you're afraid of seeing whatever it is then you you see that and you you see you know that happening and then everything kind of breaks and then you're still there Mm -hmm. and you know it happens over and over and over again and eventually you know it it kind of softens the fear because it has happened and you've experienced it enough times Mm -hmm. right yeah when you're in that position uh what you really need to do is you know step back think about what you're working on is it that important yeah is it changing the world mm-hmm. like hey i made a bad business card <laughs> does it matter that much mm-hmm. like the full scale of the earth no mm-hmm. but to this one client yeah and you should you know i should probably try to do a good job but like mm-hmm. i shouldn't fret about it too much yeah perspective shift yeah mm-hmm. and, and the perspective shift of you know making your first business card versus you know your hundredth client you know mm-hmm. that you've made successful things in the past and so you have that like backlog to to help you feel like you can perform yeah very true fear the great connector here we go not love <laughs> love you know it's got its own role it's but overrated fear, we've all I mean, we've all got fear i i doubt that we will become a one planet civilization until there's something big to be afraid of mm. like aliens Something that you unites know, or, us. Or, you know, a big Talk, comet that we have to, you know, mm-hmm. amass all our technology together to stop or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be anything. Oh, but sure. yes, aliens. So fear. <laughs> I vote aliens. Feel the fear. Make friends with the fear. Draw big eyes on it. <laughs> can we put googly eyes on it? I think that's a yes. great idea. Aww. That way you can shake it and it would like kind of <laughs> have a tactile experience. <laughs> Disarm the fear. Exactly. All right. Well, if you are also crippled by fear um, and your friends are also crippled by fear, let's just all listen to this podcast together and feel crippled together. I'd love to know an average of the Outpost community, like what everybody's average fear scale is. Are they more on on this couch with Krista and I? Uh, Do they fall all the way down to a two sometimes? I can't even imagine what a two would look like, but... um, Maybe your definition of a two is different than mine. It could be. Uh Obnoxious. Plenty of people didn't like that phase. It was just too, too optimistic. <laughs> when you were a two, yeah, yeah, made just as many enemies as friends. So it's okay. 
All right. Well, we would love to um, to have you back here next time. Subscribe if you're not. Leave us a review if you love us. Leave us alone if you don't. Um, and we'll see you over in the Outpost community. If you've got ideas about what we should be talking about and you're tired of hearing these topics, just go to orangenebula.com slash topics and give us better ideas. Okay? Uh, have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.